Hey, look, you see the skyscraper? Yeah, me neither. Five years, 650 million of your dollars, and nothing going on. Cranes swinging in the wind. Enjoy this four hours of time-lapse photography, watching the incredible shrinking skyscraper. Where is it? Where's the Hudson skyscraper? Come on! Just in breaking this double or bullshit, double or bullshit. No bullshit. Good afternoon. Gas is at an all-time high. Inflation's at an all-time high. Stock market's tanking. Deep recession's on the way. Morgan Stanley's blaming the COVID stimulus. Crime spiraling out of control. No baby formula. This is the first world. Republicans should blister the Democrats come November, but probably not in Michigan because these boobs don't understand basic physiology. That is, dead men don't bite, dead men don't cast shadows, and dead men certainly don't sign ballot petitions for governor. That's just science. So how did around 100 dead people appear on the combined petitions of James E. Craig and Perry Johnson the presumptive Republican frontrunners for governor. Certainly a few dozen deceased are not enough to disqualify the men from the August primary, but signatures from the great beyond are a pretty good indication that campaign employees cheated. And to that effect, thousands of signatures they gathered are now being challenged as forgeries. You saw it on the program. Craig turned in 21,000. Nearly 7,000 are being disputed as fakes by both Democratic and Republican operatives. If true, that would place the former Detroit police chief below the required threshold of 15,000 valid signatures. Craig's Kansas City lawyer, Edward D. Grime, acknowledged his client was probably scammed in a seven-page response to the State Bureau of Elections, a response, it should be noted, that was filed after the legal deadline. And I quote, given the comfortable margin of support Chief Clark amassed, it seems unlikely that even a coordinated effort to defraud the campaign will succeed, writes Grime, adding that the majority of challenges should be rejected and Chief Clark should appear before voters in the primary. And yes, you heard that correctly. Craig's own lawyer calls him Clark. Let's hope Craig or Clark or whomever isn't paying his guy top dollar since he'd get similar representation from a public defender. It's not even the first time that Craig has had problems with signatures. Back in 2019, a Detroit cop sat in his cruiser ignoring calls of an officer down. That same cop was fired back in 2014 as he stood by and watched a female officer take a beating. So how did the coward cop get his job back? Craig signed off on the deal. When that tidbit came to light, 
Then Chief Craig or Clark or whomever insisted that someone had forged his signature. My name was signed in purple ink, Craig told me then. I only use a green pen for official business, which is weird in itself. The State Board of Canvassers will meet on May 26th, next Thursday, to verify if candidates have enough legitimate signatures to make the ballot. By then, it may be too late for Chief Craig or Clark or whomever. He has run a lazy and listless campaign. He skipped the first GOP debate. He conducts media interviews in the parking lot of his favorite watering hole, Sinbad's. And now there's the signature snafu. Politicians have pulled the early endorsements and big donors have puckered. Meanwhile, Perry Johnson continues to burn through piles of personal money while his campaign continues to go up in smoke. Challengers say the self-described quality guru used the same flim-flam signature gatherers as Craig or Clark or whomever. And like Craig or Clark or whomever, Johnson's camp argues that even if those signatures are found to be bogus, he would still have enough. Even if that's true, voters are still left to wonder what kind of quality guru finds a 30% error rate acceptable. That's no better than the Whitmer nursing home undercount. Most importantly, how will you, the grassroots Republicans, take it if your front runners are tossed from the ballot? Will you accept it as a positive step toward cleaning up the election process? Or will you view it as political skullduggery, seeing as Jocelyn Benson, the Democratic Secretary of State, unlawfully directed local clerks back in 2020 to accept any signature in mail-in ballots that looked halfway decent? This is more than politics and technicalities. A person's signature is the cornerstone of the American Republic, whether we have baby formula or not. It's been that way since uh, John Hancock. It begins with a real citizen who is registered to vote and who is presumably alive. Any challenger of Governor Gretchen Whitmer has a simple script to follow. She's an incompetent administrator who couldn't fix the unemployment system, couldn't fix the damn roads, and couldn't care less about people in the nursing homes. Craig or Clark or whomever, and Johnson, can say what they will. But at least Whitmer knows dead people aren't allowed to vote. Charlie, if this weren't so true, it would be sad. We're screwed. We're screwed. When a, when a, when a signature and a word have no value, we're screwed. You're damn right, girl. And you know what? Like, you want to be the boss. And we're all complaining. You couldn't get the unemployment checks out. How many people called in here? How many people begging for help like, that we couldn't give them? I can't get a check. How are you going to fix the unemployment system if you can't even get signatures? You can't, Charlie. That's what? the thing. So, I mean, but it, it's kind of like everybody's making up their rules, their own rules as they go along. Let's sweep under the rug what we don't want you to know. Let's ignore any real opportunity to be honest with the people who put us in office. And let's just pretend like everything is okay o'clock. It's good for us. It baffled the people because here's a prediction. Ready? Breaking news prediction. We'll fix that in post. <laughs> Wait, oh, I'm getting calls. Here's a breaking news prediction. The Board of Canvassers will not certify at least one of the two gentlemen, Craig oh. 
and or Perry Johnson. Interesting. And it will go to the Supreme Court, and they have exactly a week to decide because by state law, June 3rd, it has to be settled because they have to print the ballots. Mm-hmm. I believe that the Supreme Court is going to let them all on. They don't want to. Yeah. You don't, don't want to tank the will of the people. So, what does this mean? This means we got all kinds of dumb shit to talk about because media loves just goofery, don't we? Yeah, we do. We love. We, we we love all, yeah. all matter of mayhem, all sorts of pain. We love it when the stock market's tanking. We love war. We love death. We love it all. That's what the media does. It feeds us. It's good for business when it's, it's a good. shit show, at least according to the cover of one of my favorite books. Yeah. The, that, hey, by the way, two bucks for that. <laughs> one of my best sellers. It was a great book. I love, you know, but to be honest, I love the media. And what we have on the show today is, you, you guys remember Pancho Ortiz? Yes. He mm-hmm. is like the dude on the southern border. Guy covers the cartels. He covers La Frontera like nobody, both sides of it. They're nobody better. We're going to talk about what's coming next week because that's what we do here. And then we're going to go to the northern border. We're going to go to Buffalo with Steve Watson, great reporter there, to talk about the mass racist murders there and what's behind all that. And then our guy, uh, and we're going to have uh, Kevin Bledsoe. You remember him? He's the nephew yes. of... Uh, the elderly veteran who was beaten to death in the nursing home because the state decided to put a, cr- a crazy dude in there. Norman. Norman. Mm-hmm. What'd I say? No, that's just his yeah, name. Yeah, it's, Nor- it's Norman. Uh, talking about mental health here in Detroit. And then we're going to go to Red, who's got an update on the incredible shrinking skyscraper. We don't have baby formula. We can't get unemployment checks. We don't have enough cops, and yet we found $650 million to give a billionaire to build a skyscraper that belongs to him and not us. <laughs> Five years later, where the fuck is it? Just cranes in the wind. It's ridiculous. Oh, we well, why are. is this okay, Charlie? Because this isn't the first time you've talked about uh, you know, corporations or private developers receiving an astronomical amount of money from a city that's struggling to provide basic city services. So why is this okay with the residents here? Why Why is this okay? Why do we keep doing it? It's not okay with the residents. See, uh, <laughs> the best public in a, in a republic is an informed citizenry. Mm. And that's what we're here to do. You will not find this these this program anywhere else and we thank you for being part of it oh i just got a call from a public defender oh really they're pissed <laughs> about because i made fun of public defenders when oh, uh, i oh, said uh, clark or craig or whomever right you can get a better representation from a public defender they work hard and i apologize sure. i got caught in a little you know you know a little tongue-in-cheek sorry about that they call him clark okay i'll tell you what no no you're wrong i had a public defender <laughs> When I was 18, How got in a little out? fight at Tiger Stadium, you know, in the summer, bleacher creatures. Yeah. And then how did I know the Tigers were going to win the World Series? And then everybody was going to riot and burn the place down. <laughs> Should have waited. And my court date was like after the riot and the judge goes, mm, <laughs> suburban punk in a sock tie. I'm a season ticket holder, motherfucker. 30 days in the Detroit House of Corrections. That's what I got against public defenders. <laughs> a grudge. Jeez. Charlie, I can tell you some of those that you pay aren't much better. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, some some paid attorneys aren't much I don't better. need lawyers. I live an upright and moral life. 
Yeah, don't we all? Okay, before we get to the southern border and Pancho Ortiz, then we got to go back up here to Detroit and tell you, like, the stock market's up and down, up and down. It's like windshield wipers. It's left, it's right, it's bouncing all over the place. What do you do? Well, I called a pawnbroker. I'm getting some gold. But if you don't, you don't have that ability because you don't have a show in a basement like me. Lower level. Right, Karen? I just fed Karen up. <laughs> she oh, muted. I, I, I put it on mute because they're doing the lawn, and I didn't know if you were here. So. They're doing the lawn over here, too. This is unbelievable. What a, what a bullshit mess. program this is. <laughs> just turn it off. Zuckerberg does it anyway. <laughs> you know, we tell the truth, and we get we get banned. You know what I mean? Meanwhile, the shooter in Buffalo, it takes it takes Facebook 10 hours to take this horrific horrific video down and yet the simple truths we tell you are dangerous somehow yeah to that point twitch took it down in two minutes as it was happening but 10 hours for facebook we're gonna get to all that yeah oh we're gonna get to all of it let's move along here you know maybe you're a big time city official who can travel with your entourage on the city's dime or maybe you're his contributor who in turn gets hooked up with the big contracts you know the Unemployment administrative software contracts that don't work. Don't worry about it. You're getting paid, but not us. If you're one of the regular people, what do you do? I don't know. What you do you work, do? you save, you invest. What yeah. do I invest in? Woohoo! You call someone who knows. You call Luke Nowacki at 248-663-4748 for sane financial advice. I was up to 2 in the morning talking to a big mortgage dude. Really? Yeah. I told him to call Luke Nowacki. 248-663-4748. That is Royal Assignment. Call to call Luke? Well, that's funny you would say that because the guy I'm talking to, I told him what David Hall told me. I told him. Here's what you do. What do you do? You got to consolidate debt. Yes. Right? That's what you got. I could tell you about the housing market. I could tell you about investor class buying up what homes are left. But here's what you need to know. You know how much money magically your house is worth? Yeah. It was last year. Last year when boom. In, in Michigan, it's like 35 grand. I mean, across the country, it's something like 100 grand. Just poof, magic money. And yet you dummies out there are still carrying 25% on your credit card. Yeah, don't do Why that. Why would you do that? That's dumb. Take the magic money out of your house. Oh, look at that. I forgot. Kevin Bledsoe, also in the housing industry. He's shaking his head. Absolutely correct. Is this right, Kevin? Give me the thumbs that up. That is correct. That is that correct. That is absolutely correct. Right there. What you do is you get, okay, look, the rates are 5, 5.2. That's really low. It's really. I think, I think that's less than like 25%, isn't it? If you have your credit card, 25. Mm. Yeah, five is five is smaller. Mm. Oh. You want to get a star. <laughs> Thank you. A media guy that understands numbers. 25 <laughs> is more than five. I did it without a calculator. So, you know, this is what you do. You get a cash at home refinance from Hall Financial. That's the answer you're looking for. Okay. Kevin's like, no, no knock it me. off. <laughs> get out of Hall's commercial, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, consolidate all your debt into one manageable mortgage payment. Hall Financial can get you cash out refinance payments in as little as eight business days. Can you do that, Kevin? Oh, Kevin just, no, he didn't. No, <laughs> He made a face first, yeah, his, and then he nodded. Yeah. His, his eyebrow furrowed. He's like, hmm, then he goes, shit, yeah, me too. Mm. 
All right, listen. Hall's check super Facebook page. Check the Facebook. <laughs> no, no. Hall doesn't do Facebook. Hall's got a website. It's callhallfirst.com. Or do you have an 800 line, brother? Yes, we do. Okay, so does Hall. 866-CALL-HALL. That's easier to remember. Sorry. Right? Listen, Sorry, Kevin. <laughs> listen, in the end, you know, business is business. David is David. Kevin is Kevin. And we all got to love each other. Just do it. Mm-hmm. You do, we get lazy. We don't do stuff. Do this before you mow the lawn. This is important to your children. I'm telling you. You won't have a lawn to mow. <laughs> oh, that is true. Pretty soon it'll be J.P. Morgan Chase. You'll be mowing their fucking lawn, suckers. <laughs> <laughs> and listen, if you got a problem with, with, the, with the neighbor and he's got a smoky tractor, he's mowing the lawn at three in the morning. You can't get any help from the city. You... You actually want to expand. You want to put up that fence. You want to build a new home. The city buzzing your balls. They won't listen to you. You know what you do? You don't take matters in your own hands. You call ADR. It's pretty simple. ADR consultants get the things done when you can't. Get it done right, on time, and on budget. Ethical, honest, smart, and discreet. Call Barry Ellen Tuck at ADR for a free consultation, 248-318-9424. You can't get a skyscraper built, you call ADR. You can't get a house torn down, you call ADR. That's how you do. 248-318-9424. And finally, our dear, dear friends. Mm. Breaking news. Come on. It's funny. I just minimized it because I didn't think I would need it. But Come on. The Today Show will be in town. That is breaking news. In two weeks. They're traveling across the country. Yeah. Profiling America's iconic restaurants. Well, we know where they're going then. Uh, what's that? What's that? What's what's that shriveled old weatherman's name? Al Roker? Yeah. Al Roker and what's her name? Oh, I'm shriveled up. Yeah, he lost a lot of I weight. I liked it when he was fat. Yeah, he's more <laughs> no, he looks like Al Sharpton. He was jolly. Larger. I liked Al Sharpton when he was fat. Full-figured. Don't say fat. I believe his opinion in rest. Fat. Portly. <laughs> Women are full-figured and men are portly. Husky. Husky. <laughs> yeah. And Savannah Guthrie is the other person. Toothy. Toothy, we'll call her. So they're coming, and they're coming to American Coney Island. If New York knows where to go in Detroit, come on, suburbs. Let's do it. You go downtown at the corner of Michigan and Lafayette. You know where that's at? Where Michigan that's, meets Lafayette? That's downtown. <laughs> it's the center. It's, it's, it's it the, is. Everything's happening there. Has anything been downtown longer than the American Coney Island restaurant? No. Nope. Is there any building downtown? Not open. No. None. It's like, it's been there since like 1870s, that building. The restaurant's been there since 1917. The recipe for the chili is the same. Only American Coney Island. Everybody else buys it from a distributor. Same with the hot dogs. Same with the onions. It's the original. It's the best. It's clean. Love and it. I vouch. Mm-hmm. And if you can't get down there, you go to AmericanConeyIsland.com and you get a 12-pack of Coney's delivered to you. Shit. <laughs> Craig's filings are sticking <laughs> to my feet. Clerks, yeah. Uh, look here, guys. Shorts. I got shorts on today. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think I owned any shoes. All right, let's let, let's get serious, okay? Um, Ilafonso, unmute yourself, bro. 
This Pancho Ortiz, I've already introduced him. He's the main fucking man. He's in my book, Shit Show, the big, burly bear of a guy who wears leather in 110 degrees. That's how bad this dude is. You name it. Okay. Thanks for having me. Thank you, brother. So, quickly, what happens Monday that everybody in this country should know about? Well, pretty much it's the end of Title 42. Uh, Title 42, what they were doing is it allowed uh, certain migrants that were trying to claim asylum or get some kind of entry into the U.S. Uh, based on the coronavirus pandemic, it allowed the government to send them back to Mexico until the situation could be fixed. Now, what this is happening is that it, it, uh, on Monday, it's, it's going to end. Now, the key is not the legalities or what the terminology actually means. The key is that the drug cartels that control all human smuggling in Mexico and Central America, they are marketing this down south as saying the papers are coming. Come Monday, you're going to get papers. And that is how they're selling it. So people actually believe that come Monday, they're going to be able to show up to the, you know, to the border, cross through the river or jump the fence or, you know, depending on where you're at, show up, say, I'm here. I request asylum. I request to stay. I'm in fear for my life. Give me papers. That is how this is being marketed. And uh, in the case of the drug cartels, some of them are currently making more money from human smuggling and human trafficking than they are from drugs. Let me just throw a, a quick, quick figure. The April statistics, they're the most recent ones that are available. Over 200,000 people were detained at the southern border. What's going to happen come Monday? That figure is going to go at least three or four times higher than what we've seen in the past. You're talking a million people in a month? That's what's uh, forecasted, at least. Dude, we wouldn't, a few years ago, we weren't doing a million people in a year. It's something that, uh, you know, this past year and a half has been uh, tremendous on the border. Uh, being down here, I can tell you, I've been to several parts of the border where I don't see any border patrol agent. Pretty much they're all at the station caring for people that have already been detained. There are wide areas of the border that are uncovered, so they don't even know what's coming through. At least here in Texas, they've sent down the state troopers to kind of help try to manage everything and they've sent out the National Guard. But there's still wide areas of the border where you can drive for miles and you're not going to see a single agent, trooper, or guardsman out there. Are they too busy so, or did they give up? No, I mean, they're trying, but uh, sadly, uh, there's no help from D.C. Pretty much the agents are overwhelmed, understaffed, and uh, pretty much, you know, uh, most of the older agents are retiring. They're, they're fed up with it. it. You know, the morale is pretty low. And uh, to be honest, the only ones that are actually profiting from this are the drug cartels. Let me just throw you some quick figures. Here okay. in South Texas, uh, when the cartel that controls everything just south of us is called the Gulf Cartel. They charge from three to $800 per migrant that crosses the river. Pause, pause, now, pause, pause, pause there. So it's important for people to really realize this, you know, like the non-Ivy Leaguers, you know, who live real lives. The cartel actually owns the river. Whether you hired them or not, if you're going to cross that river, you're going to be shaken down for a, let's average out three to 800, 500 bucks. Whether you, you, you're doing it yourself or not, you're paying the cartel 500 bucks for the privilege of sticking your feet in that water. Is this correct? Absolutely correct. Wow. Nothing crosses that river 
without the Gulf cartel, one, giving permission, and two, making a profit. Let me pause you there again. Let's say I'm in Mexico. Fuck it. Uh, coast is clear, and I wade across the river. Is the cartel on American soil going, hey, you, come over here and fucking pay me? They wouldn't even let you get to the river on the Mexican side. That's how bad it is. Wow. They literally control the whole area. Uh, I mean, in, they're so powerful that they've actually been able to establish an alternate form of government as powerful as the Mexican government. In some areas, they have more power than anything that Mexico City or, or any public official has. They have more power in, in those areas. Wow. So going back to what I was telling you, say it's, you know, let's do $500 per person that crosses the river. Well, some of the figures, the, the previous figures from Border Patrol, uh, just for the McAllen sector, the RGV area, there were about two to 3,000 people per day that they were being detained. So to, if you do the math, 3,000 people by 500 bucks, how much is that per day? 1.5 million? Now let's do that by month. Cool. Uh, and, uh, 45 million? Now, and the key is- For this, one sector. Now get this, one sector, because all of Texas is broken into what? About half dozen sectors? It's about six sectors, that's correct. Yeah, six. So now you got multiply. I mean, you're talking three, I'll, 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 it's 300 million, but 200 million a month, right? Times that by 12. You're talking- you're talking $2 billion. It, it, it's a huge industry. And the key is this. Whoa. Drug cartels are, are, going, are focusing on the human smuggling side because there's no danger to them on the Mexican side. If the Mexican federal authorities arrest them, they're not going to prosecute. They're not prosecuting human smuggling. The only time they would actually face charges would be if uh, they mistreated them, kidnapped them, or raped them. And those are very hard to prosecute. And that's only the state government that will do that. So, you know, uh, under the current president in Mexico, he took office in 2018. He actually sort of established this rule of sorts called hugs, not bullets, abrazos, no balazos, where he refuses to fight drug cartels head on. So in the last three years, drug cartels have actually, uh, you know, enjoyed wide impunity. They're not being prosecuted for, for human smuggling. Now, if they were to get caught with certain drugs, they may face some charges. They would have to bribe somebody to be released. But there's no risk if it has to do with human smuggling. So that is why they're, they're moving into this. They're making more money from smuggling humans than they, than they are from drugs with less risk. So in reality, a lot of this open border stuff is just continuing this cycle. And the only ones that are benefiting from this are the drug cartels. Let me ask you, Pancho, what precipitated this now i i crossed with the sinaloa cartel in 2000 and that was before was the world record in the last since biden took office it's been a new world record why why are we seeing this well it, it, it's several factors one of them is that in 2018 this president uh andres manuel lopez obrador came in and he actually announced that the war on drugs was over and that they were going to be pushing for hugs, not bullets, that uh, drug traffickers should be treated as human beings. <laughs> well, they are. They're criminals. Yeah, they're when, you add, when you add that with uh, a soft administration in, uh, in the U.S., uh, someone that's not really focusing on border security, 
you have a perfect storm. You have weakness on both sides. So the cartels, it's, it's open season for them. They're able to make all this money. You're calling this administration soft. And I think a lot of people would agree with you. But what's the reason behind coming from Trump, who his his whole thing was about, you know, keeping, uh, you know, the immigrants out and border safety control, building the wall. And now we've got a completely on the opposite end of the continuum. Why? Um, I mean, it's sort of tricky. I mean, it's politically speaking, it's votes. Uh, If if you are uh, soft on border issues, you're trying to cater to a certain minority group trying to get their vote. Uh, And to be honest, the problem is that no politician wants to address that the only ones that control the border are actually the drug cartels. Mm -hmm. So when somebody's He's freezing. Yeah, yeah. You could tell because the weather's blowing. And did you did you hear the the birds birds behind him? And yeah, then they were quiet. Nice. <laughs> I hear the bird now. All I hear are the birds. Poncho, are you there, bro? I'm here. I'm here. Okay, yeah. let, 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 because we got technical difficult. Let me ask you this 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 final question. Americans are looking at this. It's what should concern them most? There, there's there's this incident in Buffalo, like. The great replacement theory, like millions of of uh, Latinos will come in from the Americas and uh, swamp the culture. Is it that? Should we be worried about uh, the economy's bad and we're going to have to compete? Our labor is going to compete with third world labor, or is it the cartels themselves? Definitely, it's the cartels themselves. Basically, they have their hands in everything. Uh, if you look at, at, at history, I mean, they have control of Mexico's government. We have had uh, Mexico's former uh, national defense secretary arrested in the U.S. and subsequently released. But, you know, you're talking about cartels funding presidential campaigns in Mexico. And the problem doesn't end on the, at the border. I mean, we have had several cases of cross-border violence where people have been uh, targeted, kidnapped, murdered in places like Atlanta, Miami, Dallas. Uh, any major U.S. city, they have a presence there. Yes. So that's the scary part that the, they're getting bolder, they're getting better prepared, better armed, and they're going to be, uh, they're all over. It's the cartels. Yeah. Our yeah. our immigration policies, our borders, the drugs, all of the, we're, we are at the mercy of international organized crime. I do not think we should all start looking at the other and worrying. I, I, I don't think we should hate. I, I, I understand the frustration. This administration is terrible. I've never seen this before. But I would really encourage people not to hate others. Remember, your forebears were hungry. I would do it too. Charlie, we went from one end of the continuum to the other. It's like, you know, isn't there a middle ground where decisions are being made in the best interest of the people that you represent? I mean, we went from, you know, just just rhetoric that drove a lot of fear, a lot of hate to almost, you know, this guy acts like he doesn't even seem like he's awake. You know, I mean, Kamala Harris is like, what is she doing? Like, what is happening here? And I, I, th- I think, as Poncha told you, like the cartels are very sophisticated. They're they're 
They work. Uh, nod your head, Poncho, if you're back. I, I don't even know if you're back. Are you even He's there? Totally frozen. Okay, it's cool. Sorry. I think Poncho makes the point that the cartels take advantage of words coming from Buster Brown in Washington. Oh yeah, right. Some pencil neck geek that's never been down there, doesn't know what it is to sweat, never had a drink with these guys, right? Mm-hmm. Never rolled up your sleeve, never put on a pair of boots. When you do shit, these cartels are sophisticated business organizations be careful what you say because it was the words you said yeah it was the words you said that encouraged it and everybody in the world hears it amazing that the cartels are better at messaging than yeah. the government i mean right. by a mile and and the cartels are and profitable and, and our government is broke yeah and we're sending more money to ukraine than we are to our own border <sighs> we want order we don't want hate we don't want violence. We don't want xenophobia. I think everybody in America believes this. We want order. We don't want children being raped. I got Border Patrol agents call me crying when they seen an unaccompanied 11-year-old girl. You know what I mean? That they got a tent. I won't go into the deep, ugly story about it, right? There's an easier way to do this if you want her here. And it's, it's fucking idiots. All right. It's just a mess. Okay. So we go from the southern border, right? Yeah. Discussing this great replacement theory, which isn't, as you heard from Poncho, shouldn't be your concern. Of course. A, f- a few million people in a, in, a, in a nation of 340 million people, right? Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yes. It's, 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 it's mayhem. It's disorder. It's, it's crime. Mm-hmm. This is what we should all be concerned about. So now going from the southern border... Uh, Let's go to the northern border. Let's go to Buffalo. And it is my honor to welcome in Steve Watson of the Buffalo News, uh, who is basically is the guy, in my opinion, who wrote the story clearly, compelling, clean, right? Mm-hmm. Con- concise, precise sentences without judgment uh, on the... Uh, the sh- what's that kid's name? Peyton Gendron. The is mindset. It, is it J- hey Steve? Is it Gendron? Yes, it is Peyton Gendron. Yeah. Well, like welcome in, dude. By the way, um, I'm just going to read just something that you, that you wrote. This, this, to me, is what journalism's all about. This, this guy's an artist. This is old school. Let's, let's here's. Here's how his story starts. Law enforcement officials who investigate mass shootings sometimes struggle to find out what led the assailant to commit such heinous crimes. In the case of the man who they say perpetrated Saturday's assault that took the lives of 10 people and wounded three more, they did not have to look far. (laughs) Then he goes in chilling detail. The accuser laid out in a 180 page diatribe why he wanted to kill, how he came to believe a racist conspiracy theory, and then recorded himself driving to a supermarket on Jefferson Avenue and carrying out the attack. Even today, a week later, Steve, that thing holds up. That is, we have so many of these in America that we just go on to the next one, but we, we can't go on to the next one. And I want to ask you this, and I know you don't throw a lot of your opinions in, but this Peyton Gendron kid, is, is he a racist? Did he subscribe uh, to the replacement theory or is he just an insane kid? Was he far right? Was he far left? Was he self-radicalized on the internet during COVID where there are signs? What do, you, what do you make of this? You're the guy that dug deepest, I think, in America. First of all, thanks for having me on. Um, 
I think the answer to a lot of your questions is yes. Uh, if you believe Peyton Gendron, if you if you believe him and what he wrote in this 180 page rant, um, he was not raised with hate. He was not raised to be racist, but uh, during the pandemic, when he was online learning, uh, bored, restless, he spent more time online. He spent more time starting in 4chan sites like that, where he got pulled into these racist white supremacist ideologies like great replacement theory. And he absorbed that. He accepted that, that poisoned his mind. And he went down more, went into more dark corners of the web. And that's what turned him into someone who hated people who looked differently from him or believed something differently from him. Um, black people, Jewish people, and on and on and on at a very young age, 16, 17, 18 years old. I, I guess I'm starting to wonder, is, is this part of, a, and maybe you don't know the answer, it sounds like almost like it's part of a legal strategy, uh, you know, for his defense. Um, we hear about mental health breakdowns, we hear about all these things to help get people off or to justify their behavior, when the reality, in my opinion, is a deep-rooted hate. I mean, I don't think that hate is something that is... I mean, I almost question whether or not it's an aid or not. I mean, but does this sound like the emergence of a legal strategy to you? You know, we've been wondering about that, Karen. He says flat out in, in this rant, um, I do not, I've never been diagnosed uh, with a mental disability, with a mental illness. Um, it, it, the, the rant is crazy. The rant is ill-informed. Um, the rant is bizarre. Um, but it doesn't read as the scribblings of a mentally ill person. And in fact, in the document, he says, if I'm caught, if I'm taken alive, I plan to plead guilty. And so I wonder what his legal strategy will be with his attorneys. I'd like to wonder, or, or I'd like to ask you, Steve, what is, what is it like in Buffalo now? I mean, I saw an interview yesterday, uh, a young black um, lady said that, you know, that there's always a struggle for finding something that they can claim to be their own, uh, understanding that Tops was, you know, the store that they went to. It was a place of gathering. It was a place of nourishment, um, both, I guess, from a food perspective and from a, a spiritual perspective. What's the environment like there now? There's a lot, as you can imagine, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of heartbreak. This ripped a community apart. Uh, you're right. This tops community leaders, African-American community leaders fought for years to get a grocery store, this grocery store in a, what was a food desert wow. uh, in the city of Buffalo, in the heart of the black community in Buffalo. Um, the, Buff the Buffalo closing too. of the Buffalo too. Yeah, yeah. Just like Detroit. Fuck. Yeah. 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 And, and with this store closed even temporarily, um, it's left a, a hole in the community in terms of where to get groceries. 
compounded by the suffering, the pain left behind by this racist uh, attack. But Steve. now that story becomes a monument, a, a memorial yeah. almost of what's happened. I mean, because I was thinking yesterday, what would it be like if that were the place I had to go to shop? And I'm, do they reopen? Do they tear down? Do they rebuild? Um, certainly, tops has have they or have they not weighed in or said anything, not just about the massacre, but about what their next steps are? So tops has vowed we will reopen this store. Um, I have talked to people, my colleagues have interviewed people, uh, employees of the store who said, we're not going back, we're not going back to work there, and customers who said, I'm not going back in there anytime soon. You're right, the, the memory is so fresh and the fear is so fresh. Steve, I want to get back into the, this, this guy's mindset, this loser mindset that he had. He's lonely, he self-radicalizes, but he does keep this daily diary. I don't know how much you've dug into that. Were people egging him on? Because, you know, 22 people are watching this shooting live. Um, we kind of have a feeling his parents knew that something was going on. They helped him bury a dead cat, which is a huge red flag. Um, how many people do you think followed this and really maybe pushed him along? That's a really good question, and and I don't know the answer to that. It, he says in this diary that he kept on Discord um, that he lied to his parents. He hid a lot of what he was doing, the purchases of weapons, the purchases of tactical gear, body armor, things like that from his parents. But they knew about incidents, apparently, like the animal cruelty Um they had to know he was spending a lot of time online. Um, he was isolating himself. Um, and I'm very interested to hear from the parents. They, as far as I know, they haven't said one word um, about um, what they knew and their feelings about this. But to your question about online, apparently some of what he planned to do, he posted online about half an hour before the attack. And there are a lot of good questions about who saw that? Was anyone in a position to stop him? Uh, the sites, the companies that operate these sites, should they have intervened? Um, should they have got? Should they do more to get this video offline? This manifesto offline? It's uh, all really good questions, and I want to take the opportunity. Let's not make this political. COVID changed a lot of things in our children. We've been saying, and I have children. You have children. We've left them to their own. They're, the screen is so ubiquitous mm -hmm. that we've given up even trying to monitor them. Don't don't quit on your kids, please. Don't. I want to. I want to. I want to quote from your story, Steve. Here, the, the end. This, dude. You know how you can write, man. Well, yeah, I mean, this is Steve Watson from the Buffalo News. I suggest you follow him. What's what's your Twitter handle, Steve? Uh, at Buffalo Scribe, S-C-R-I-B-E. Oh, look at you, the Buffalo <laughs> Scribe. Oh, That's great. The, the Buffalo Scribe. Okay. Police say he killed 10 people and wounded three others, shattering a community. He had planned to drive off, shooting more black people, before he expected police to reach him. Instead, he meekly surrendered at the store. It's very powerful writing. It... It brings up the question here in, 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 in our city, in our state, in Grand Rapids, a, a guy gets pulled over. He tussles with the police. He, he grabs the cop's taser and gets a bullet in the head. How in the world can you describe how he surrendered? Because Karen and I were talking. How's this guy actually even alive? 
That's a really good point, uh, Charlie, and that's a point that a lot of um, people in the African-American community have made in recent days, that if this shooter had been a black man, he would not be alive today uh, to be able to be prosecuted. Um, as I understand it, he was confronted at the store um, by the first police officers. At that point, when he's coming out of the store, he has his gun pointed under his chin toward his neck as if he's going to take his own life. Um, those officers convinced him, put down your weapon, surrender to us. And um, the police commissioner has said officers did what they were trained to do. They intervened. They resolved the situation, took him safely into custody. Again, he's a white man, young white man. Would that have happened differently if you're African-American? A lot of people here have raised that question, just as you did, Charlie. It kind of speaks to the fear that or the comfort level that 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 white people have with their own. They don't see each other as a threat, whereas a black man armed or unarmed is automatically a threat. They, you know, they represent a level of or they instill a level of fear that incites a response that usually ends up being fatal for the black male. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's a very disturbing um, point in the attack, and, and this is um, seen on uh, one of the videos where there's a white person in the store, not clear if it's an employee or a customer, who's appearing very frightened, and the shooter almost apologizes to that white person for waving his gun near him, and then moves on and shoots more black people. Said sorry, yeah. yeah, I think I, I watched the video. It's 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 really, awful. It's it's sad. It's horrifying. It's. But he did. There's a white man cowering no matter how right by a cash register. No matter how says, frightening you think that video is, it's worse when you watch it. Like, mm -hmm. there's no way to prepare yourself for it. No. And I've seen a lot of terrible videos. But that's a good point, Steve. Yeah. It really is. I, okay, India, I, I said we'd get you in and out of here. But um, in the end, racist, radicalized, all of that, obviously, the guy's insane. Things are, you know. Th yeah. Clues were there. We keep talking about race and hate and weapons, and we're not doing anything about mental health. What is it like in Buffalo? There's nothing here in Detroit. We always say we want to bolster the mental health services for people, and there, and there aren't any. What about Buffalo? What, what do we really do? It, it's it's going to be a similar situation. Uh, you know, there, there's not enough resources. There, there's not enough uh, money. There's not enough uh, workers, the clinicians um, serving people, you know, trying to intervene. Um, you know, police here, the city is working on having a behavioral health um, employee going out on some police calls so that the point of contact is not just with an officer with a gun, um, but with someone who is trained to de-escalate a situation. Um, Let me pause you there. Let that's me just a start, Charlie. That's we, just a start. Got, There's not enough of it. We've got that in Detroit, right? Like, yeah. you know, like crazy yeah. homeless people. And yeah. You, the police, are, they now have a, they, they try to find a mental health expert and they come and they put them in the, in the car and they calm them down. And you know what they do with them? They drive them around the corner and let them out. 
So well, the same thing happened to Peyton general, kind of the same thing because he had a mental yeah. health evaluation just last year and purchased the guns afterwards. And, right. you know, you can only help, I guess, people that want to be helped, but, and that's what happened in Oxford. Yeah. Very, oh, very much so. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sad to say, Karen and I were talking before you came on, Steve, that we're just going to move on until the next one. Steve, can I ask you, are there red flag laws in New York? Uh, there are, um, and in fact, we Explain just had what a that case. is, please. A red flag law is um, yeah. you, you can't if there's a worry about somebody committing a violent crime. I believe you can't buy a gun for a certain time period. I don't know how it works in each state. Right. It it, it has to be like there can be the attempt to um, apply the law, but then a judge has to confirm yes, that's a proper application. This person is a potential threat. Um, yeah, yeah. But, but, but I guess at, some, at a certain point, it's not a law. It becomes a personal concern in response to a person who clearly has some issues, not putting the burden on anyone. But this guy had been in the grocery store before. He made it very clear that he didn't like black people. He used the N word. He was asking right. the white employees why they were like we've normalized hate. We've normalized that kind of behavior and that kind of behavior should not be normal. Somewhere along the line, maybe she should have said, hey, there's this guy that keeps coming in the store and he's not, you know, he doesn't seem like he's the average uh, shopper or, or something. It just everything just, you know, we, we keep putting more and more processes on top of processes that already don't work. Boom. Boom. Well said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Steve, I want, I want to thank you so much for coming on, man. Thank you for having me, Charlie. Appreciate the time. Really brilliant work. R really fantastic. Thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah, that's Steve Watson, the Buffalo Scribe. That's pretty deep. He's a deep guy. I, I like him very much. Uh, Il Lafonso. I should ask him, Charlie. Wait a minute, about Karen. Wait a minute. Il Lafonso, uh, unmute yourself. Go ahead, Karen. No, I, I, sh I wanted to, and I'm thinking back, I should have asked him about the racial makeup of the police department, because it, that's a predominantly, even just in that area, you know, when I looked at the police officers that were in response, I saw, the yeah, I didn't see anybody of color at all. Okay, another, another question, but let's, let's do this. That's a good one. I know people are listening. Look, and I know what went on in Wisconsin at the uh, Christmas parade where a radicalized black man decided he's going to take out some white people and he runs them over. I know there's a black man in the subway in New York who takes a gun and starts shooting people, and he did it in Sunset Park. Sunset Park, Brooklyn, is an Asian community. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, Poncho, this happened in El Paso. Nut fucking case, right? Subscribing to the Great Replacement Theory, right? You're right. Uh, individual drove several hours to El Paso, went into a Walmart, started shooting people left and right under the idea that uh, the people that were in that uh, Walmart were going to be Mexican or, or immigrants, basically. So I, I want, uh, if you're listening, but if you're watching, I, I want you to look at my skin color, at Karen's, at Kevin's, at Poncho's. We get it. And I know some people are listening to this and picking it apart. This is a wide rainbow of thought. There's nothing to fear here. There's nothing to hate. There's no reason to do what about. Whatever you're feeling has a place here too. Right, my brothers and sisters?
Definitely, definitely. We don't have to do definitely. this. I I don't want death. Right? That's that's not the answer. And dead people shouldn't vote, but you should. You should. We can do better than this. This is the greatest experiment in the history of the universe, this thing called America. Don't hate, but speak truth. El Paso, we remember you. Oxford, we remember you. Columbine, we remember you. Paducah, we could go on. It's too many. I, we could do this, I bet you, for three fucking hours. Yep. We're, we're not getting anywhere. It's not right. Don't 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 be looking for a way out of this. <laughs> Jesus, fuck! It's I don't think it's going to get fixed. No. You got the First Amendment. You're allowed to go online and passively hate. You're not going to stop that, and you you shouldn't be allowed to. And you're not going to get guns out. It's the Second Amendment. Yeah. So where do you think we're going? To hell. In a handbasket. Yep. Woven we by are. the devil himself. By, by our own hand, by our own creation. I mean, we are. The very freedoms that we fight for have become nooses around our collective necks. Wow. It's a hell of an mm -hmm. analogy. Yeah. Good one. So Good one. Now, now we're trying to do a do-over. We're, we're trying to put the genie back in the bottle. It's not going to happen. We're talking mental health. And I, I want to welcome... Kevin in, right? There, there's things the government should do, things the government cannot do, but we pay them money to do things correctly. The case against Jaden Hayden, if we have this video, the man who recorded himself beating Kevin's uncle, Norman Bledsoe, a veteran, in a Detroit nursing home in May 2020, has ended in the case being dismissed because the assailant, Hayden, was found incompetent to face trial. So, We've got him in a mental facility. Yeah. Kevin. Yes. I, I could do this, the cheesy one, like a sports report on the silent. How do you feel? But let me start like this. The government during COVID decided that a full-bodied, strong 20-year-old man with a history of mental illness because he had COVID should be put in a fucking nursing home. He's hot. Was, was your uncle known to have COVID at that time? No. So your uncle does not have COVID. How old was no. your how old was Norman? 75. He was 75. How was his mental stability? Was he he was pretty competent. Uh, as I said, we had no idea he had checked himself into the nursing home or what conditions he or what condition he was in at the time that he checked himself in. My uncle was pretty much a rather recluse kind of guy. He didn't do family a lot. But when he did, you know, he come around for the holidays or things of that nature. So when we found out about this, it was rather disturbing to the whole family. So they put a guy with schizophrenia, I think I'm reading in with your yes. uncle and, and he's hot with COVID. How does, how do you feel about that? I think it was a very grave mistake on uh, obviously our governor at the time to allow these um, type of patients to be put into nursing facilities because you're basically you're um, housing them with the most vulnerable of our society already. It didn't make sense at all. And what do you feel about the judge ruling him incompetent and putting him in a mental in institution for 18 months? 
I mean, obviously it is what it is at this point. If he's incompetent and not able to stand trial, there's not much you can do about that. Um, his father seems to have his back a little bit, trying to get him some help. But realistically, at this point, what's done has been done. My concern was that he stole my uncle's credit cards. Credit cards were used. How were the credit cards used if he's in a obviously in a facility? He had to have some assistance somewhere. So you, you didn't get your justice here. But no. you, you're not arguing with the fact that the man does belong in a mental institution. No, I'm not. Right. So m finally, maybe something proper was done here yes he's off the street that's pretty much all you can um ask for because obviously he had committed this type of crime previously in another facility so getting him off the street is very important wow what okay. yes wow okay so he was in another institution, got into the same type of situation with another um, person in that facility is how he got moved to the facility where my uncle was. And this this mental facility where he was, they didn't have a COVID wing. So they decided, and, and the governor wants to sit out there and say, we never forced anybody to accept COVID positive patients. That's because the governor monetized it, made, you know, induced it by paying nursing homes five thousand exactly. dollars a bed and two hundred dollars a day to take the guy it should have been known that this man should not be in with regular old folks we blew it ildefonso karen uh steve this mental health racket blaming it on that is 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 a cover for incompetent government i want to ask kevin this the given what the governor did and did not do and the implications that it had on your family and your uncle. Is that a deal breaker for you in terms of the upcoming election? I wouldn't necessarily call it a deal breaker, but then you have to take a harder look at some of the other decisions that mm -hmm. have been or that she has made and the road that she's trying to take the state on. Like they said, fix the damn roads. We still, the roads are still fucked up. So um, realistically, the nursing home situation, I thought that was a big blunder on her and her staff's part. But um, like I said, I would take a harder look before I voted again. Okay, fair enough. Boom. Okay, now let, let, let me transition here. Thank you, Kevin. Stay with us. Poncho, stay with us. We don't have money. All the money we're spending now is being borrowed. Mm -hmm. Right? Now, Whitmer got a bunch of Biden bucks stashed away. And what? What's a, what she wanted to give us $500 each? Yeah. Help yeah. us get to, through the inflation? To vote for? I mean, yeah, to help uh, <laughs> working families. So you're going to give me more free printed money, which that's is gonna... like that four hundred dollar thing with the with the insurance. Goddamn right. Now, insurance yep. is coming. Go, it's going up in July. Goddamn so, right. Goddamn you know, right. we got to look at the bigger picture. No, here I look at the bigger. Tell picture. me when you got your check. You didn't think of Brian. I'm not, I look at the bigger no. picture. Like I, I thought the money was like, you know, for covid stuff, like fix the fucking nursing homes. Yeah. Like yeah. Uh, we need mental health facilities. Right. But what do we do with the money here? Look, 200 for you, 200 for you. And uh, the billionaire downtown goes up to Lansing and lobbies for six hundred and fifty million dollars of taxpayer money. To make him more money. Remember that Gilbert in the Hudson's building? Yeah. OK, we're on it. You see how it all comes together, folks. You see how it all comes together? Absolutely. You like the program? I do. Good. Fuck you, Zuckerberg. <laughs> Mute me, bitch. 
Mute meets the truth. They tried to kill Jesus. Try and take some videos down Didn't faster. Work. Yeah. It just it was a sleight of hand. He goes, hey, you just do that. Jeez, I'm still here. <laughs> Not that I'm comparing myself. <laughs> to, to Jesus? But it's a pretty good podcast. Okay. I, I, so I've now, never heard Jesus do, Jesus do a podcast. Just saying. So now comedian Detroit Red files this report from the non-existent skyscraper. We're going to walk over here and see if we can get some answers on what is they going to do with the skyscraper. Take a look, see what's going around. You know, but something's supposed to be so tall, I sure ain't seeing nothing. So we're going to go find out what's going on. So yeah, after five years, it really ain't no, what's that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven stories tall. We, we, we supposed to got a 900 foot tall something. That went down to six. There's some new watercolors out. Don't, I don't know. Don't look like this gonna be the tallest skyscraper in Detroit to me. You know, after five years, I would be expecting to be able to look up and reach my neck back, but they just right there. Well, well, it sounds like there's something going on over there. I hear all kind of machinery moving around. Not the cranes, though. Hey, how you doing today? Hey, how you doing? I'm doing good. Detroit Red, NBN News. I hear the work going on. What? How, how do we think it'll be done? We can't talk to the media right now. You have to contact Mark Mello, okay? Okay, gotta go around to the main office. Yeah. All right, appreciate it. So, as you can see, they're very hush hush. Let's go around here to the office and see what's going on. Hello, how you doing? Hi. My name is Detroit Red, I'm with NBN News, and I was wondering if we could ask you a few questions about the skyscraper. Oh, I am not the one to ask. Who, who would I be able to talk um, to? Judy, yeah? Come here. I'm an accountant, so I only know numbers. Uh, so you only keep up with the numbers? You know? Yeah. Just a quick, I wanted to ask a couple quick questions about the skyscraper. Yeah, no. You'd have to talk to Bedrock. You'll have to contact Bedrock. Um, we got to talk to Bedrock? Yeah. So you can't tell me how tall you think it's going to be in the end? No, I can't. When is it going to be done? We don't know. Oh, well, oh it's been five years. Well, maybe another another yeah, five? Contact Bedrock. Contact Bedrock? All right, well, I guess we're not going to get no answers here. They don't know when it's going to be done, how tall it's going to be, and we got to talk to Bedrock. We'll try to get in touch with Bedrock and see what they got to say. We have to talk to find somebody with some numbers and answers. Even the accountant didn't have no numbers, and she's the number specialist. We seeing windows and all kind of other stuff go in, but we ain't seeing no steel getting done. And they done released new numbers and new renderings of how much shorter it's than got. Shit, this is damn near like a dude that's in a nightclub lying about the size of his junk. And then when you get him home and he take his pants down, he's always coming up short. Uh, stick with us. We'll find out what the hell's going on. 
This is your boy, comedian Detroit Red. Deuces! <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's funny, man. They don't know how tall the building going to be or Red's taking guys home from the club. <laughs> that was an interesting analogy. It, right. it was. <laughs> what's up, Red? You there, brother? What up, go? Okay, listen, man. Did you try getting a hold of Bedrock? Uh, yes. No return call. I also got in touch with uh, building and engineering. No return call. So the city didn't I return your call. The real estate arm didn't return your call. Jeez. You couldn't get no blueprints. Nobody, nobody can give you a straight answer. Hey, this is a better kept secret than who off Hoffa. <laughs> I I got a feeling and, and that. I just want to clear this up. I don't take dudes home from the club. <laughs> yeah, that too was late. Just, yeah, yes, as a little com <laughs> little comedy. <laughs> Okay, listen, man, you're on a rooftop downtown there, right? Um, yeah. Okay, there's a building behind you there. Yeah, the 101, the 1001 right here on Woodward. Yeah. Which is like one of the tallest. The, the skyscraper is supposed to be two times taller than this building. Let me get, let me, let me get a pan up there. Let me uh, pan, pan up there for him, Zach, and let him see how tall that is. Okay, okay, so that, that the, the skyscraper that we're all supposed to pay for, stay up there. Tell them to stay the fuck up there. Come on. Stay, stay, he said stay the fuck up there. Goddamn rookie. So that, Goddamn the, rookie. The, the language, gentlemen. The skyscraper. Oh, sorry, Karen. <laughs> Karen's taking her furs to, to lock up today. <laughs> Spring cleaning. Karen's storing her furs. Tell Zach I need I need him to follow Karen around as she takes her furs to be. You got a fur following job later. <laughs> okay. So the skyscraper there, 101 Woodward, this this publicly financed skyscraper that's, I don't know when it's going to be done. It's supposed to be twice as high as that. Correct? Uh, yeah. Correct. Okay. Now pan over. So, pan over here to the okay. Now, right there, those cranes is where the skyscraper is supposed to be. Right, they're sitting on top of what's of the skyscraper so far. So, so far, what they built, so we can see a parking garage and two cranes. And this thing yeah. is supposed to be twice as high as the shit right behind. It's I can't see anything, Red. <laughs> at, at, at this point, I think you should just call it modern day post art or some shit and weld the cranes up there <laughs> and give us some money back. Leave the Maybe we can get some baby formula around here. Feed the babies, goddammit. Oh my God. I'm just saying. I mean, this is ridiculous. The cranes don't move. I tried to talk to people. I, I was the one dude kind of scared me. It looked like he didn't gave that answer several times. Mm. In and out, shit moving around. I poked my face in one of the holes in the fence. There was nothing going on. I don't know what the hell this is down here. Man, man. I'd like to know where the financing is, who the anchor tenants are, who's buying some of these. Con Come on now. I think they're looking for them too. And if tenants. you really look at that contract, there ain't nothing locked in for the boobs and Lansing, right? You rewrote the law for the cat. Mm -hmm. What if he doesn't? What if he doesn't build what he said he's going to build? Because we now know went from... 800 and 900 to 800 to 680 it's going to be a fucking liquor store and a full service gas station with a run around with fucking yeah. paper caps can i check your oil sir yeah. it's gonna have chrome on it and these it, fabulous parking garages that yeah. we don't need down here yeah there you go it's just gonna be another parking garage yeah. I mean, for those listening, not watching, and you can watch, you just go to uh, Facebook, you douchebag. Go, go to YouTube and look up Laduff, uh, you know, No Bullshit mm -hmm. News Hour. Red standing between two 
one really beautiful old brick skyscraper and the new ugly, you know, yeah. glass yeah. skyscraper. Yeah. And in between is a, a gap that's supposed to, we're supposed to marvel at. Yeah, well, we are marveling yeah. at it. The absence of it. Man, this is some bullshit. Joke. Look at that, everybody. Like in Chicago, we said it. Yeah. Right? That's amazing. How many did they build? 17. Nashville, too, right? Nashville, during COVID. Vegas, they built a 77-floor casino and hotel during COVID. Where's ours? What's the What's the hustle? We're on it. We got no cops, no baby formula, no mental health facilities, shitty nursing homes, inflation up the wazoo. Hey, and two I'm fucking Republican like frontrunners can't get a legitimate signature. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, just like this. Having this sitting here is like a big tease for us. <laughs> it's bad enough we got abandoned buildings. Now you're just giving us half-ass built buildings. <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of like that time I took the guy home from the, the club, club. <laughs> and uh, I a little disappointed. Oh, the club, it was a fucking joke. You will yeah. never live that down, Red. Yeah, you, you know what they say. You know what they say, the best comedies were based in reality, bro. Yeah. Not that reality, buddy. <laughs> that wasn't improv, was it, bro? That was just a bad Saturday night. <laughs> All right, listen, everybody. Love one another. If you can't love, try to get along. Thank you, Pancho. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Steve. God bless the United States of America. Talk to you next week, uh, Pancho, because it's going to be a while, bro. You're going to be busy. My best to your family, Kevin. Peace. Thank you. Take care. Nice to see you, Karen. Thanks.